Hey everybody, welcome to Burke Reviews Movie Club, episode number 27. Uh, I'm John Burke, and with me this week, as always, is Corey Starr. Hello, hello. And we are recording this a little earlier than we usually do, so I haven't seen that much. Uh, but, um, have you seen anything recently, Corey? No, just Baby Driver and this. <laughs> um, I, I'm trying to remember my timetable. This is I've been pretty busy this week. Um, I don't remember when I did my bookshelves. I feel like that was Saturday. So I don't remember if I talked about it. I, I did some books. I bought a couple of new bookshelves for movies uh, to clean up. Like I got rid of my old school like CD racks that I was using as DVD racks and bought two like adult bookshelves, you know, like uh, six shelves <laughs> or five shelves. Is it one, two, three, four, five, five shelf uh, bookshelves. And then I've also boxed up some uh, DVDs that I'm trying to sell on eBay. So if you want to look up... Uh, DVD lot 80 plus if you're interested in buying a box of DVDs from old John Burke um, I, I'm asking for 25 bucks starting bid but I'd love to get them up uh, higher I do have a buy it now price at 70 bucks didn't mean to advertise but hey why not so um, I, I watched a, a lot of movies just kind of uh, for fun like you know rewatches I, I rewatched Scott Pilgrim versus the world while I was putting the shelves together because um, I wanted to watch Baby Driver but couldn't so I watched uh, Scott Pilgrim, <laughs> um, and then uh, I rewatched like a bunch of random things. I'm trying to think. I watched a couple of things yesterday that were just on um, whether HBO or regular TV because there's all sorts of marathons on this weekend um, because of Fourth of July. Uh, so I've been watching stuff, but right now nothing's coming to mind. The only thing I've actively watched um, is a new Netflix series called Glow. Um, have you heard of Glow? I've been hearing some buzz. Isn't it supposed to be, like, set in the 80s and it's, like, female wrestlers or something? Well, I am a wrestling fan. Like, I, I, I'm kind of currently on a downward slide, which has always been my wrestling fandom. When I was a kid, I loved wrestling. That was when uh, I was born in 82, so Hulk Hogan, Savage, um, all were in the WWE. Uh, no, I'm sorry. It was WWF then. Okay. Um, and, you know, uh, Jake the Snake Roberts. I, I loved wrestling for a long time. And then... Probably early 90s, I stopped watching it as regular, and then Stone Cold became a thing, and uh, it brought me back in full, so I was all about the Attitude Era, then I, I, I came and went, um, but I've been a wrestling fan most of my life, and I still am, even though, again, currently I've only watched maybe three of the pay-per-views over the last year, and that's because of access to the WWE Network, making them basically 10 bucks instead of the old school 50 or $60. Um, yeah, so... Um, when I heard about Glow, which Glow was a wrestling show in the 80s called uh, Gorgeous Ladies of Wrestling. And oh. um, so it's based on a real show. But from my understanding, most of the characters are uh, fictionalized, maybe amalgamations of, of actual wrestlers or something. But none of the ones that I, uh, at least not the focal points, are names that I'm familiar with. Um, but the cast, you have Allison Brie, who was in Community. Um, and Mad Men, um, and a couple other things. She's in, in a few movies and stuff. Uh, I'm a fan of hers, though, from Community. Uh, she's fantastic in Glow. Um, my wife Is she a wrestler? In real life? No. No, no. no. I mean, in the show? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, I would love to see um, her in a role like but that. It's not, like, don't think of it as a wrestling show. Like, um, the idea, how it starts is she is an actress who is having a hard time finding work. And she gets an opportunity for this new thing called Glow. And she's becoming a wrestler in order to have a job 
but it is there is acting and storytelling. Um, but there's a lot of it's more about the human drama around the girls. Um, the the surprise. I don't know if you're a fan of Mark Marin or not. He stresses me out a little bit, but he always gets the best like guests. True, his podcast. Well, he is um, the director of Glow, not the actual director, but in the show because again, it's uh, they're making this new show called Glow. Like, okay, so there's a little meta here. The TV show on Netflix is called Glow. But inside the show, they're making the wrestling show glow. And it's starting from scratch. They have nothing when they're starting. And so you're seeing them build, like, get women to be wrestlers. Um, and Mark Marin, who is a washed-up, like, kind of B-movie director, is the, the kind of framework that he's working in, the character he's playing. Um, and the best performance I've seen from Mark Marin on anything. I am so in love with his character, and not in a, like, sexual way. Just, I think it's it's so well written it's so well performed it is him to a degree for sure he's got his sarcasm and his comedies there but there's um there's the performance he's doing it's like it's made for him it's like when tony stark was uh when robert downey jr was cast as tony stark everyone's like oh it's a perfect fit this character on this show uh sam is mark Marin. like it's perfect and he's nailing it and uh the relationship and again, not saying that there's a, a romantic relationship between him and Allison Brie, but that there is a connection because he's her boss, essentially. Um, the, the back and forth between the two of them has been great. And it really uh, crescendos at episode eight, um, which is the last episode I've seen. There's two left and it's an easy watch. They're uh, 30 minute episodes because it's more sitcomish, but it's definitely got some dramatic elements. Um and it, it's the same producers from Orange is the New Black, I believe, or writers, something like that. There is a connection to Orange is the New Black as far as the writing goes. And, again, makes sense because it's a predominantly female cast. Um, there's a few male uh, returners. If you are a wrestling fan, you'll be excited because there are some um, not super famous wrestlers, but there are some familiar faces for people who are, like, really into wrestling. Um, I saw uh, John Morrison, who used to be a WWE superstar a few years back. He hasn't wrestled for a long time. He has a, a, a role um, – bro- uh, Oh, man. Brutus Clay? Brutus? I'm having a hard time. Um, man, I'm having a hard time even remembering his gimmick. But uh, Brutus Clay, uh, he was uh, the Funkasaurus. That's what it was. Um, I know that sounds ridiculous, but he shows up a couple episodes. And I am 90% sure I saw Christopher Daniels um, from TNA and uh, Ring of Honor show up on an episode. But they he was quick and, and out. But uh, I'm pretty sure that's who it was. So wrestling fans will have a little Easter eggs like that to uh, to pull from. But uh, it's really good. My wife and I started watching it, I think, two days ago, and we're almost done. So um, that's pretty much the only thing new that I've watched, um, with the exception of the movie we're going to be reviewing tonight, which is Delicatessen. Um, So we'll be getting to that review momentarily. Uh, Corey, you've watched nothing new, so I guess it's time to get into our trailer talk uh, for July 14th. War of the Planet of the Apes comes out on July 14th. Corey, what do you think of the trailer? Uh, I've been interested in this movie since I saw the first trailer. Horrible human, real person talk. I think that I've seen like bits and pieces of one of the um, like reboots, but I haven't sat and watched them mm. all the way through. And I need to fix that because I really, 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 really want to see this. Um I am blanking out so bad right now. Um, ah, why am I forgetting his name? Woody Harrelson. Woody Harrelson. Oh, and Judy Greer is in this too. Oh, interesting. Um, and uh, I mean, you have Andy Serkis, who is the master of mocap. 
um, as Caesar, the main ape. Um, and he has been Caesar all three movies, but the guy is uh, the master of the motion capture. He was Gollum in The Lord of the Rings and The Hobbit. Um, he was King Kong in uh, Peter Jackson's King Kong film. And um, he is uh, the villain in the Black Panther film coming out. And you saw him briefly in Age of Ultron, um, the, the, the same character. Wow, I just stuttered really bad. The same character that he's playing in the Black Panther film, he is playing uh, in Age of Ultron. Um, and he's, in, he's done several movies. The guy, again, he's, he's an amazing actor. He's very good at emoting. And uh, Caesar is going to be that opportunity we're going to get to really see again. Um, I have seen all of the, well, both of the prior films. Um, I didn't see Rise in the theater, but I rented it and loved it. Went and saw Dawn opening night. Um, I plan, actually, I'm trying to convince my daughter to go see all three. They're doing a, a marathon screening the Wednesday before the movie comes out on the 12th at Regal Cinemas across the country. Um, if your local Regal is doing it, it's $26, I think, at most. It might be a little more depending on your market, but it's 26 bucks here in Central Florida um, to see all three films. So it's a little a little cheaper than seeing three movies normally would be because usually it'd be closer to 30 um, depending on time of day, but... It's uh, six hours of films, though, so it's it's a day. You're you're committing right. you know, half of your day, but you get to see War of the Planet of the Apes one day earlier than everybody else, which is tempting for me. Um, and I didn't get to see Rise in the theater, and it's been a while since I watched Rise, so I wouldn't mind revisiting it. Although it does have James Franco, and I'm not a fan of James Franco. Um, so, Why? He's like the best actor ever. Ah. And he keeps ruining all of the John Steinbeck. He keeps ruining everything. Well, um. On that note, though, I am 100% committed to seeing this. I am, again, a big fan of Woody Harrelson. Um, and it sounds like you're committed to seeing this, too. Do you think you're going to be able to fit in the other two movies before this one comes out? Uh, well, you know I don't go opening week. Oh, in, or, like, I So I have, like, a whole week on you guys extra. I'm going to try. It's worth it. Um, I really like I, I like Don, I think, a lot more. Uh, Don has your boy Patrick Wilson. Is that right? <laughs> Yes. Did I say it right this time? Um, as, yes. And Gary Oldman, actually. Um, <gasps> yeah, so. Sold. He, and uh, to be fair, the first film, while James Franco was in it, and he's not bad in it, although he's still James Franco, um, John Lithgow is also in it, and I'm a fan of his. So, um, yeah, I, I highly recommend the first movie if you haven't seen it. Um, and the second movie I liked more, although I think I've, I think I've only seen each one full time, but I've seen more bits and pieces of, the, of Rise. I've caught it on FX and stuff while it's been on. Um, it is like I, it. They did make me watch the original Planet of the Apes, um, because I oh. I like these so much. I ended up going back and watching. Uh, I think I've seen all five of the originals, um, and I have still not watched the Tim Burton one, although I do own it. Um, I just can't bring myself to watch it because I hear it's awful, and that does have Mark Wahlberg in it. So, Ew. is this one coming out in IMAX? Do you know? I I assume it is, although I've not heard anything. Um. But I would I would assume that it will be an IMAX. It, it's an IMAX kind of movie, so. Um, Word. And it, I mean, it's competing though, because uh, there's a lot of stuff coming out all like within the next three weeks. Um, this is a busy month. Uh, July is kind of the big summer movie month um, for the non-super blockbusters. Like these are more. Uh, Spider-Man's a blockbuster. War is a blockbuster, but it also is. It's hard to say it's like legit cinema because it's you know mo motion captured apes fighting humans, but there is something more. I don't know. The stakes about it feel more genuine than a lot of blockbusters do. And then um, Dunkirk coming out the following week, which we'll talk about next week. 
Um, we got one more trailer for this week, so let's get into that. Wish Upon is the next movie coming out on the 14th, um, directed by John R. Leonetti, who is supposedly the director of Annabelle, which I haven't seen, um, but I've heard mixed things about. Uh, he's also apparently the cinematographer, though, for The Conjuring, The Mask, and Insidious. Um, so clearly a friend of Juan. Um, and yeah, he's director of Annabelle, Butterfly Effect 2, the uh, straight-to-DVD. Oh, and the beloved Mortal Kombat Annihilation, um, which I say sarcastically because that movie is an atrocity. Um, <laughs> oh, Annabelle was an atrocity. <sighs> I haven't seen Annabelle, but uh, Wish Upon... Um, it's kind of a reimagining of the monkey paw story, um, if you're familiar with that old uh, short story where um, a family gets a monkey paw and they are able to make wishes and they make, you know, wishes for normal stuff, but the monkey paw manipulates and, and the wishes have a dark thing. So, like, they wish to be rich, and so the monkey paw kills their son through a, like, work accident, so they get a bunch of insurance money, so they're rich. But at a uh, cost. Um, and that's, that yeah. appears to be the premise of this movie, except she has a box that grants her seven wishes that supposedly has a demon living inside of it. And so she gets her wishes, but it results in, in dark ways um, and apparently possesses her. It seems like there's a bit too much going on with the, the premise, uh, at least from the trailer. Um, it does star Joey King, who I am a big fan of. I think she's a very talented actress. Uh, most recently, she was in the Zach Braff directed film uh, Going in Style with... with um, Morgan Freeman, Alan Alden, Alan Arkin. I hope I'm saying the right one, not Alan Alda. It's one of those. I always forget which one is the it's right Arkin, one. I'm it's Arkin. It's sure. Arkin. And then um, Michael Caine. And uh, she was the granddaughter to Michael Caine in that movie and was great. Um, she's in a couple of the Zach Braff movies, Wish You Were Here. And uh, they're both together in The Oz of Great and Powerful. Um, and she's in The Conjuring. So this is not her first uh, film in the horror genre either. Um, I don't know. It looks, it looks like there could be some scares. It looks like there could be, uh, at least a good performance from her. Ryan Phillippe's in it, and that's kind of nerve <laughs> Um, that's a red flag. Yeah, I don't remember the last movie I saw him in. He's currently, I think, he's on the TV show Shooter, which was uh, the Mark Wahlberg film that has been adapted to a TV show. Um, I think he is playing the titular character in that. Um, and I don't really recognize anybody else on this cast. Okay, hold on. I am a big fan of The Unbreakable Kimmy Schmidt. I love it so much. Um, and Ki Hong Lee um, is in quite a few episodes of that show. Oh. And I, he's pretty funny in it. So is when I saw the, him... Bo- the boyfriend that she gets at the end of season one? Ooh. I've only I seen think... season one, so... <laughs> I'm Yeah, I'm pretty sure, because I don't... Yeah, I'm not going to give spoilers, but yeah. Well, sure. he he seems to be playing Exposition Man um, in the trailer because he seems to know a whole lot about the box that she has possession of and uh, I- informing her about all the dangers of it. So I don't know where he got his information. Uh, maybe he's the one who gave her the box. I don't know. It seems, uh, it seems like it's going to be probably very cheesy. But mm-hmm. um, it's there's not a lot of horror films in the summer, so... Um, if you're a horror fan, it's probably worth checking out, uh, to see if it's any good. Cause you never know. Cause last year lights out came out this time and lights out was fantastic. So, you know, uh, give it a whirl because it'll probably be better than 47 meters down. Um, which I guess is kind of a horror film. So 
Um, I think that does it. That definitely does it for trailers for this week. I do want to point out a couple weeks ago uh, we watched the trailer for The Big Sick. Um, it is supposed to be going wide next week on the 14th. Um, it has been out in theaters for two or three weeks now, but in very limited release, and it's slowly been getting uh, branched out. But it, according to what I've heard, it is going full wide on the 14th. Um, that still doesn't mean it's going to be in every theater, but it's going to be in every market. So like, while it may not be in Lake Wales, it will likely be in Orlando or Tampa and uh, Brandon, that kind of thing. I'm hoping it comes closer, but uh, if it, it, we really both were excited about that trailer. That's the Kamel Ninjani, um, Ray Romano. Oh. Um, I remember. Yeah. Uh, I enjoy dysfunctional family things. Not like super <laughs> crazy, horrible dysfunctional families, but just, you know... Well, the, the ratings for it have been very positive from critics. And again, it has been doing very well in the small markets. Um, so I just want to remind our listeners, uh, it will be out. And I highly recommend uh, that you, if it's near you, you check it out. It's I haven't seen it myself, but I plan to see it um, next week when we record. Um, I should be uh, able to talk about it's a, a ghost story. Um, A24, I am going to a credit <gasps> screening next Thursday. Uh the 13th so i should have some information about that movie that should be going wide fairly soon as well um i think i have the date for that but i don't have it in front of me um but yeah that's another film that i'm very much looking forward to um that we've i think discussed at least briefly on the podcast but i will you please wear a sheet to the critic screening please uh, uh, Corey, i am a white male who is bald i will never wear a sheet in public um or private. That sounded bad. I, don't I never feel wear sheets, like period. you're being unreasonable right now. I don't know. I know that I told you about this. And I am, like, I don't really like Twitter anyways. But uh, whoever does that thing blows up my phone, like, 20 times a day. Oh. <laughs> so, but um, I am loving all the marketing. They opened, like, a pop-up store in New York City. Oh, okay. And just, I feel like everyone needs to just check out some of the marketing I wish so bad that I could, you know, visit New York City and see this pop-up shop or, like, just live in a city where they cool, do cool things like that because I, I saw, like, some uh, images from it and just a bunch of people in sheets, like, standing in a window of a store, you know. just looks really awesome to it, me. Just but. in case, uh, if you're unfamiliar with A Ghost Story, it is a movie starring um, Rooney Mara and Casey Affleck, and Casey Affleck's character is dead and he is haunting um, the house that he lived in with Rooney Mara and his ghost in the movie, rather than using like CG and making him like transparent or something. Um, he is wearing a sheet like old school, like when kids pretended to be ghosts or Halloween costumes where you would just cut the yeah. eye holes. That's what the, the ghost is. And that is uh, very provocative and interesting for a filmmaker to decide to do that. Um, because even with a uh, minimal budget, it's not a hard effect to pull off. Um, and again, there are plenty of movies where the ghosts are visible, um, completely visible, like Beetlejuice. You know, the, the ghosts are visible to us, but then they'll just not be in the shot, you know, to imply that the rest of the characters can't see them. There's ways to get that across without using special effects. And but this I, this is very interesting to make this choice. Yes. Well, also, um, I like that the filmmaker is doing that. Where they're oh, using, yeah. like, a well-known actor, and instead of showing his face the whole movie... Um, I loved when they did that with Frank, too, with Michael Fassbender, and he wore that big paper mache hat the whole time, you know, pretty much. Yep. Um, I think that's great. It is an interesting choice, and I like films that make interesting choices. So 
definitely looking forward to getting to see that. Um, hopefully that will go as planned. All right. I think we are uh, ready to hop into our review of Delicatessen. Um, just to clarify, uh, it is um, from two 1991. I almost said 2000. Um, 1991, so it's one of our older movies so far. Ooh, um, directors Mark Harrow and Jean-Pierre Genois, who, uh, who also, Jean-Pierre Genois also directed Amelie and also uh, directed Alien Resurrection that we've done on this show already. So we thought it would be a good movie to jump into. I've never seen it. Corey has seen it at least once, right? Yeah, I think twice before okay. this. Um, and the IMDb summary, uh, plot summary of the movie is post-apocalyptic surrealist black comedy about the landlord of an apartment building who occasionally prepares a delicacy for his odd tenants. That is a not great description of the plot, but okay. Um not at all. It stars uh, Pascal Ben. Um, are you still there? Okay. Yeah. Um, ben Benizek, uh, which I don't think is quite accurate as a starring role, but um, Dominique Pignon is our main character. Lu Luison, I think, is how you say it. Um, maybe Luison. I don't. I've never seen that spelling other than I this movie. Is it, you think that's right? I think so. All right. Uh, Marie-Laurie Dugnac is our female lead. Uh, Jean-Claude Dreyfus is the uh, landlord slash butcher. Um, and I don't know... I, I was not familiar with anybody else in this movie. Um, really, I only knew Dominique Pignon, who is in both of the other Jean-Pierre uh, Genois films we've seen. Um, They're friends. Yeah, clearly. Uh, it, this movie is in French, um, unlike Alien Resurrection. So there are subtitles, which is no problem but uh something that if you haven't watched this film already something to consider um before we get into our spoiler section we we like to just kind of give our overall thoughts um i do not like this movie as much as amelie i love amelie um, but i really did enjoy this movie quite a bit uh i like the dark humor about it um i actually like seeing dominique pignon as the lead uh which in the other two films he's more of a side character um, I thought he was great and very likable in this movie, and um, I actually found the the, uh, the premise of the film, which to be better than the plot summary here, and this is not a spoiler, but the premise is um, we're in a future dystopian society, and uh, food is scarce, and so this building has kind of resorted to a form of cannibalism. They recruit uh, people from outside to become like handyman essentially for the building and then they kill them and eat them um it is uh the butcher is a li literal butcher he was a butcher before so he he cuts it up you don't ever see anything which is that's the interesting thing about this, this is a movie basically about cannibals but there's no gore um really at all i don't think there's any gore that i can think of um but it's it's very clear what's going on and it's um Oh, I guess there's a little bit of blood. I forgot. Yeah, not to do with, like, the cannibalism, really, that I can think no. of. But there was other places. Yeah, implications of it, but not necessarily... No, you don't see people, like, munching on a leg or anything like that. So, no. Um, if, you're, if you're usually turned away from cannibalistic movies because of that, that this is not that movie. Um, and it kind of... It's, it's hard to call it a straight comedy, but there's definitely some... Uh, there's definitely comedy involved in the movie, um... And some of the there's some zaniness, but it's uh, the tone is really interesting, and I think that's one of the things I really liked about it. What are your thoughts uh, initially, Corey? Um, I think that it is quirky 
this is going to sound so odd, but very charming. And I did think it was hilarious. And I do like that um, kind of dark tone to it also. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it's definitely uh, I, charming is accurate because at the heart of this film, it's a love story. Um, but everyone is going to be like, these freaks think that like a movie about cannibalism is charming. But it's so much more than that, guys. Yeah. And it's not. The circumstances are extreme, so it's not cannibalism in a world where there's plenty of other food options. Um, from yeah. from what we can see, at least in this area, and we don't see the whole world, so we're we're taking a villain's word for it that the world outside of this area is dangerous. Um, we don't know that for a fact. Uh, well, we do know that people. It seems that people are driving far distances to travel to become handymen here. Or at least our main character, we know that. And he doesn't have any money. He has to pay for his ride with, like, beans or something. Lentils. So, lentils, that's right. So, I can see that it's rough out there, but, you know. But we still don't know how far he's traveled. You know, we know he's traveled far is the word we get, but that doesn't, you know, I think Lakeland is far, but it's only a 30-minute drive. You know what I mean? So, like, uh, far is very subjective. And that's, I think, intentional. Again, I think that builds on the world. Um, but that I think so our initial review is we both enjoy it. It is a little dark, but it's not extremely dark uh, of the dark comedies that I've seen. I would say this one's pretty light um, in a positive way. Like, I don't think that's a bad thing. It's, it's obviously the setting and the subject matter are very bleak, but um, the cast and the performances are, are very quirky and lighthearted and, and charming, like Corey said. And as far as dark comedies go, I feel like it's um, a lot more digestible than some of the others we've watched that's a good choice of words for a cannibal yeah! movie. <laughs> i didn't even mean to <laughs> puns, puns, puns. um all right Corey, what do you got to tell them guys this movie is from 1991 if you haven't watched it please go to netflix or somewhere and watch this movie because it's great we are going to spoil this movie for you we are going to talk about the plot blah 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 um so if you don't mind spoilers full steam ahead if you want to check it check out the movie first and come back and see uh listen da, da, da. here we go yep and again as Corey noted it just was put back on netflix on july 1st so you never know how long a movie's going to be there but you can assume at least for the whole month of july and possibly for a few months after that but um one i currently would say without giving my full review you don't want to wait uh, and miss this opportunity um if you are a fan of amelie um it's again a very different tone of a film um there's still some similar themes but it's not uh it's definitely not as bright and shiny as amelie is although it has its own color palette and it fits very much in the world that it's in so we're gonna get into spoilers um it's a not an extensive review we're not gonna go plot point by plot point we're just going to kind of talk about what we liked, what we didn't, um, if there is anything that we didn't, and uh, then we'll give our rating um, and, you know, finish the episode. Uh, the movie's relatively short. It's only an hour and 40 minutes, which I always enjoy. A movie that's uh, brief and to the point and doesn't overstay its welcome. Um, you know, this movie is not a Michael Bay film, for example, that tend to be over two hours. So, um, I, I really like Dominique Pignon. Uh I'm hoping I'm probably butchering his name, but uh, it might be Pinion. I'm not sure. But, um, you know, in uh, Amelie, he's such a jerk, right? Like he's. Yeah. And then in, in Resurrection, I didn't even recognize him for a while because he's in the wheelchair and he's wearing a little bit of prosthetics and he's. Um, but he's really good in that movie, but also kind of a jerk there. 
Um, and he's completely different in this movie. He's extremely charming, super friendly, um, and uh, like charming is is just oozing out of this guy to me. And that's really a, he made me um, smile in a movie about cannibalism, which is not normal, right? <laughs> so. I mean, it's when we say it's about cannibalism, there's cannibalism in it. It's really not about it. It's not debating the merits of it necessarily. Um, it's looked at as a necessary survival element um, to a degree. Uh, there's definitely non-meat. So I kind of wonder if there is a like a theme going on about vegetarianism. Like um, his, our main character, uh, Louison, is a vegetarian. He says very quickly... Um, at the, when he first meets the butcher, that he doesn't eat meat. But we find out as the movie goes on that it's a um, it's very possible he doesn't eat meat because of a tragedy he's witnessed. Uh, what are your thoughts on that, Corey? Corey, I think you muted. I'm sorry, I do because I keep sneezing and the air quality is bad. Don't ever live in a valley, people, because all the bad air gets trapped. Um. I forgot that he said that at the beginning, but, and then, um, when you just said that, I totally remembered about, um, Dr. Livingstone. Yep. Dr. Livingstone. Yep. Sorry. I'm going to totally, you know, just, well, it's French. So I, mean, I would say Livingston because that's how I say it in our country, but it's French. So he says it more like you said it. Um, but I totally didn't put that together cause I forgot he said that and, um. Well, so uh, Dr. Livingston was his uh, partner in the circus. He was a circus act. And at first it's implied that he's uh, Dr. Livingston is a human. And um, he tells Julie, is it just Julie? Yeah. He tells Julie that and um, he passes out because she accidentally gave him like extremely sleepy time tea. And uh, she tells him that something like that's happened here, thinking that he's witnessed cannibalism. And she wants to warn him about the cannibalism happening in the building, um, but he's asleep. And she later finds out that Dr. Livingston is a monkey, not a human, and um, that people ate his monkey, though. So I'm not sure if he was a vegetarian before his monkey was eaten, but definitely now. Uh, and it, I, that would make sense. Like, you witness, you, you love, it, take any pet that you have, if somebody eats it, you're probably going to be turned off of meat and you're definitely going to be hating people and um, he definitely has a, a negative outlook at first that Julie seems to kind of bring him out of a little bit. He's still friendly, he's still charming, but there's definitely this uh, mistrust that he has because the you know people ate his monkey and all he found was the carcass. The carcass. Um, I love the characters in this movie and Amelie so much. Yeah. Um, I definitely want to check out more of this director's work. I don't think he's um, got too much more. Um, no. I'm, yeah, I see, like, two more. A very long engagement in the City of Lost Children. Um, we're going to forget Alien Resurrection. I and mean, then he has some shorts. Yeah, it, Alien Resurrection's just... Uh, some people like it. I didn't. They're um, long. Yeah, it, it, was, it was a tough watch. Um, he has 14 things directed, but I'm guessing some of those are shorts. Uh, we have a TV movie. Um, I've, I remember seeing the box for um, Micmacs. Um, I've not seen it, but I remember seeing the box like art somewhere. Um, a very long engagement. Oh, yeah. 
And then most everything else are shorts. Um, which means they're probably not available to see. And the City of Lost Children, like you said. So just a few movies. Um, and nothing else in the works yet. So I don't know what his deal is. But, uh, oh, wow, he's older, too. I didn't realize he's 63. Oh, I didn't realize that either, even looking at his photo. Yeah, we sound like we're being so ageist right now. No, but, I mean, I would have given his career starting basically in 91 with Delicatessen. Um, I would, you know, what is that? Oh, about 50. Well, no. Uh, closer to 40, well, that's right? What, um, well, I would have guessed probably oh, I'm about sorry. 50. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I would figure, like, 25 years ago and, you know. And I didn't realize there was such a gap in between Delicatessen and Amelie. Yeah, big gap. Ten years. Well, ten years on the dot. Um, with resurrection in the middle. Um. Well, I uh, know that I told you this before, but I wanted to see this movie just based off of the box art. Like that sounds so dumb, <laughs> but there's just something about it. Just like it's the just pig? a pig, guys. Yeah, yeah. which ends I don't up know. being the sign of the shop. Um, essentially. Um, mm-hmm. There's a couple of scenes in this movie though that I want to really talk about that I loved. Uh, <sighs> I loved the, him syncing up um, the butcher having sex with one of the um, tenants. Um, <laughs> it's not it's not visual sex. Like you see them like lay down, but then we have a camera shot where we're underneath the the bed uh, and watching the springs and the match uh, and the well the box springs for the mattress uh, bend as the butcher is um, getting intimate with Mademoiselle Plusset, I believe is her name. Um, not 100% on that, but just looking at the pictures, that's what I'm assuming. Um, and uh, it, it's squeaking, and apparently the squeaks are very loud. And so we kind of go through the apartment to each different uh, p- people that we've met and how they're covering they're, – they're doing something else anyways, but they're now – they're syncing it to the sound. And it becomes this, like, rhythmic um, – the music for the apartment. Like, they're all making the music that we're hearing, um, and as the – actions in the bedroom get faster or louder um they uh everything else gets louder and faster to match and until eventually it crescendos um which i hope everyone gets what that means um (laughs) and uh you know like julie was playing her um cello i believe and the string breaks and um uh louison was i love how he's uh ingeniously attached his suspenders to the wall so he can reach farther while he's painting the ceiling so he doesn't have to move as much um so he's just he's reaching and the stretching sound is what his is making and the the scraping of the roller on the ceiling and he his suspender breaks and he falls down and then it's just all these things happen it's cut back and forth and it's just beautifully edited it's very funny um it it does it's not out of place it completely makes sense one it's that moment where we're just getting to see everyone in the building everyone's doing their their role fulfilling what they do in the meantime um because they're not animals like they're not acting like again we don't see them eating a human like a zombie they're they're buying meat from a butcher just like you would with any other meat it doesn't look like the thing that you're buying you don't get a cow when you go to the butcher you get a slab of steak that's what they're buying so while they're aware of what they're eating they're definitely they're not actively like murderers or anything like that, and that I think isn't is needed. Now the butcher, he's a murderer um, without any question, and everyone's an accomplice because they all know he's doing these things, but they're doing it with the intent of survival. Um, although he has a bunch of non-meat product in his 
greedy. Yeah, he's very greedy. Uh, but again, they could have kept that and ate it, <laughs> but they want meat. You know what I mean? So like, he's he's greedy for sure. But they don't have to have meat, right? Um, they're they're choosing to uh, give up the grains in order to get meat. Um, but that scene uh, is pretty funny, and then it it actually plays a factor later on. Um, he's asked to fix the bed springs. Uh, Louison is asked to fix the bed springs, and um, him and the girl are sitting on the bed trying to recreate the sound <laughs> uh, so he can figure out which springs to uh, to fix or to you know, I guess put oil on or something to reduce the squeakiness. Um, and that scene's pretty funny. And I feel, was there a second scene? I, um, was, I actually was going to comment on that, that so much in this movie is so synchronized and, um, so much of it has to do with music. And that's a lot of our soundtrack in the movie. I think that it might be pretty much almost all of the soundtrack actually. Um, the different things that are happening in the apartment building. Which the word um, for that, Corey, is diagetic. Yes. Diagetic, diagetic soundtrack. Meaning it's diagetic. inside the world of the film uh, where non-diagetic sound is outside of it. So normal movies, our soundtrack is only for us and the characters in the movie don't usually hear it. Every once in a while there will be some bleed over where maybe in one scene they don't hear it but then it bleeds to the next scene where it's like the car radio is playing that song. Um, mm-hmm. Another recent movie where there's a diegetic soundtrack where a character is aware of the music that we're hearing is baby driver. Um, so yeah, uh, it's not something you get very commonly where the soundtrack itself is diegetic. Um, but in this movie, I think you're right. I think most of the soundtrack, if not all of it is, uh, heard by our characters in some capacity. Again, either they're performing the music or it is uh, the radio or something, um, you know, drowning things out. Um, yeah, there's a. In fact, the word "synchronized" is really good. There's a lot of synch- uh, synchronization throughout the film. I think, like when they're chopping down the bathroom door, trying to get to well, the bedroom door, trying to get to Louison so they can eat him. Um, yeah. Uh, there's like the way they're all hitting the door. It's synchronized to a, a beat. Um, that's interesting. Now I want to rewatch it because I think I might have missed some things like that. And I, I just I am having a hard time. I've only seen Amelie once. But I think that this movie might appeal to me more. I am not saying that I did not enjoy Amelie, but because um, I did very much. I love all the characters, though, even between these two movies um, that we've watched. All of his characters are so different, which sometimes yeah. I feel like when you get into directors or you watch a couple of films by a director, you end up getting kind of like they just kind of write kind of the same roles, you know? Yeah. Um. And, I mean, stick to what you know, man. But, um... You, I, could, you could argue, though, that uh, Julie and um, Louis-san do have similar roles as Amelie and the lead male, whose name I do not remember from that movie, um, in that uh, Louis-san's in a world where he is um, kind of out of place. Um, you know, he's kind of the hope, hopeful one. He's, a, he's an optimist in a world full of of this negative everyone's out for themselves he is actually actively looking to help people uh much like amelie is in in her movie um and then uh he finds another you know kindred spirit so to speak uh, another person who wants to be helpful but feels trapped by the circumstances and brings that out of her um in the way that um amelie's man is uh you know, he's weird, he's a little quirky, and he doesn't seem to 
feel like he fits in, but now finds that he fits in with Amelie, that they're both similar and quirky. Um, I'm reaching a little bit to make these connections, but I do think there is some similarity. Not in, Obviously, the setting is different and the, um, the tone of the film is different, but I think there is that um, both our main characters are eternally hopeful. Um, and that's a, a, something I really like about both movies, is that there is this positivity despite of um, the circumstances. Um, I also love the scenes that we get of the one tenant that has the flooded apartment with all the snails and the frogs. <laughs> Disgusting, but I love it anyways. Um, and also what you were saying about the color palette. So much of this movie was um, like warm tones, lots of reds, oranges, a little bit. Of pink, but all, all down in like a brownish color. Um, yeah, to, and tans. Yeah, to really, to, to, it's bleak. It, and it's, it feels bleak. Um, the mm-hmm. world is a very bleak place, and yeah, uh, I, I, the color palette works. And again, Amelie is very opposite. The colors are vibrant and bright and beautiful, um, but it fits the tone of that film, where this fits the tone of that. You know, because I think where the eternal joy, even though Louison has some negativity because of the his treatment of, or the treatment of Doctor um, Livingston, Livingston. Um, but he's a circus performer, so there's this. Uh, air of of positivity and entertainment and joy um that he takes in that work and there's some funny scenes uh with him performing like whether it's with the bubbles with the kids on the stairwell um where he invents vaping basically uh (laughs) as he he blows smoke into the bubbles which i know that's not vaping but if you watch yeah if you've watched any memes of people who vape um they often blow bubbles with their vape and so it reminded me of that i was like oh boy but no, it was uh, really interesting him performing, um, and then uh, the the woman that uh, the butcher sleeps with. Um, I, I wish I remembered her name better, but um, she brings him the news about his circus being on uh, TV that night, and he like puts in a performance with her with some kind of dance or walk. I can't remember what it was called, but she he had has, maracas, like, didn't she? I think she had maracas, and he had three legs, um, which was funny. Yeah. <laughs> uh, obviously, one was fake. Um, I hope it was fake. Uh, but um yeah there's a lot of like quirky scenes like that with him um being this eternal optimist uh despite you know having problems and everyone's hungry and everyone seems a little anxious and again everyone's out for themselves um and julie sees that in him and is immediately drawn to him um as he is the polar opposite of the butcher who is out for himself completely and only concerned with what he wants to be he wants julie to be happy because it's his daughter but um ultimately he only wants her to be happy so he's happy like if 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 she's not happy the way he wants her to be happy he's mad at her and like he even slaps her at one point um and louisan is like the opposite of that he wants everyone else to be happy too that's he's a performer he's an artist which might be you know maybe a theme in the film maybe the idea is that um artists make look to make other people happy even if they themselves are miserable um and I don't know for sure if that's what uh, they were going for, but it definitely could be interpreted that way. Um, at least that character um, could be interpreted that way. And also don't eat me. I mean, <laughs> yeah, because you never know who, who it was. Um, now, Maybe it was. Grandma. There is another character um, who has a, uh, it's a side character, but the story arc is so intriguing. Um, and Are you- are uh, you talking about Aurora? Aurora? I, Aurora, or I'm not sure how to say it. Aurora, but, I don't know. Uh, I love her character. 
it's it she is uh very entertaining she's married i think like is that's what we're supposed to get right that's her husband yeah okay but there's another guy that lives in the building who is in love with her i think who uh i think but then like you can't think that he's really in love with her with the things that he's doing to her what do you mean he's trying to get her to commit suicide no he's not no 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 there are two... no he's trying to get Sorry, I remember everything that he's saying. Oh my god. Okay, sorry. So there are Go two ahead. guys who they make those little like cow making you know, it's like a little tube and when you flip <laughs> it over it goes Rrr. they make those. Um which is interesting cuz I've never oh, seen anybody making those. But, hold on a second. Yes. The one that's in love with her is the one that comes and visits her. Is it his brother that's saying those horrible things to her? Yes. Yeah, he's trying because I think now, I'm not sure if they were... I didn't get that they were brothers, necessarily. I thought they were roommates and partners. And maybe... You're probably right. And it could be the implication that the one roommate was in love with him. Um, and so... Oh. It, 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 he didn't want to lose his best friend, didn't want to lose his roommate, or maybe didn't want to lose someone he was in love with. I don't know for sure, because it's a side story, and it's a major side story, but it still doesn't, they don't really give us answers necessarily, but there's a lot of ways you could interpret their relationship. They're obviously business partners. They might be brothers. But um, Aurora has told the, the guy that she's in love with, which I don't know which guy's which looking at their IMDb pictures. Um, it looks like Robert and Roger are the names of the two guys, but I don't know for sure which is which. Um, whichever one Aurora is, is into Aurora, um, she's trying to get him to help her kill herself. Because the voices in her head tell her that he's a bad man trying to take her away or something like that. Um, and so she does these, like, Ruth Ginsburg, I hope that's the right thing, machine suicide things. I'm guessing that is the, uh, the Christian sensibility that suicide would put her to hell. But if someone did the act for her, it's okay. That's my uh, interpretation. Is, do you have any thoughts on that? Like, why she didn't just kill herself? Um... I also thought maybe because she's a little bit coward. Yeah, that's definitely you know, a possibility, too, that she's too scared to do the act herself. Because there, she, like, goes through all of these different intricate things, and I think that if she truly just wanted to do it and have it over with, it could have, you know... It, that might, it might even be simpler than that. It might just be that it's our way of... We, we could have figured out early that she wasn't actually crazy. Because an actual crazy person would probably be willing to do the act themselves, but she was only being made to think she was crazy by this voice that is later revealed to be the brother talking through the pipes, which is a, a mechanic of the film we see throughout um, people communicating through the pipes in the uh, the apartment building, um, including Luson and, and Julie. They all communicate through these pipes that run throughout the building. And um, – Aurora, like, there's one with a sewing machine um, that has a big red, um, like, scarf or something that has a lamp sitting on one end. And the idea is when he rings the doorbell, it'll turn on the sewing machine, which will run the uh, scarf or whatever it is, um, pulling the lamp that's plugged in and turned on into the bathtub <laughs> where she is sitting. And that falls through, uh, thanks to Louis-san, who uh, hits the wall just in time to force the plug out on accident. Not knowing he was doing that, he was hammering something, and uh, so the lamp falls in and nothing happens because it's unplugged. Um, and then there's a um, what's the second one? Um, she's standing on a chair with a rope around her neck, but the rope goes yep. to the 
door or something, I think. But isn't there a candle stick that's burning that's supposed yes. to like the water is running. The, the water's running in the sink to raise the the candle to the rope, um, so that it'll burn the rope. Oh no, it'll uh, something will fall on her head. It's like a big book or something. Like something's gonna smash her head. Um, that's what I, the burning of the rope was. The last me. one, um, she goes all in and she has. <laughs> Um, a bottle of pills and a glass of water. She's, oh, this is the one. Uh, she's hang. She has a noose around her neck, standing on a chair. Um, the door has a shotgun, so when the door oh. is open, that the shotgun will pull. And there was some way for the chair to get pulled out too. I don't remember what that was. Um, but so it was like four ways for her to die. And it's then, very intricate. Yeah, and the way that it fails is very entertaining. And the last thing though, she had the gas turned on. And that's where it succeeds. And not only does it kill her, but it kills her husband, I think, or brother. I'm not really sure, again, if she's married because the the whole romantic relationship with the other guy is where I'm confused. If that was she, was she well, considering leaving her husband or were I they think brother and sister? So, no, I think that's her husband because the guy that she was in love with would sneak to the apartment and he talked to her through a crack in the door and then he had to leave. Yeah, that's true. So, and yeah, she's hiding it. It's 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 an interesting whole development and um, but just that whole that whole side story and of course the uh, the fire that happens there does have an impact on the bigger story with Louison trying to escape um, the butcher's grasp and Julie has recruited these uh, you know guys that are living underground um, hiding out and apparently are vegetarians um, uh, the what do they call them troglodytes which um, troglodytes i think is what they call them um in the newspaper and it, it's it's very interesting uh the movie's quirky um lots of comedy and again considering that it does deal with cannibalism as a major element of the story um it is not as dark and violent as one would think um i also want to talk about um i love that she is uh julie is kind of refined you know, she plays cello, and, she's you know, a, and she... Uh, I was, what? I was going to say, she's an artist, too. Um, we see yes. a painting that she did, and the butcher even calls her out on that. I can't remember what he says, um, but he kind of mocks her art. And uh, when... Oh. Oh, my gosh, what is his name? Louisa? Yes. When he comes to have um, tea and cookies with her... Um, and he's like, oh, I play an instrument too. And then he brings his musical saw <laughs> yeah. and she's not taken aback or like, what is this fool doing? They work it out and I love it. Oh, actually, I'm glad you brought her up because you reminded me of another charming scene when she's getting ready for him for the tea. Um, she doesn't want to wear her oh, glasses. I love it. And <laughs> so she's trying to like map out her apartment so she can move around and serve the tea without wearing her glasses because she thinks she's prettier without them. And um, he throws off her whole plan by yeah. switching seats and <laughs> she's so she's she wants him to sit where she was putting him but she just kind of goes with it and then she ends up like burning him a couple of times with the tea it's it's pretty funny it's very uh familiar of like a charlie chaplin sequence even um the slapstick type of uh the comedy that's happening in that scene it's very very good um and it's also again really really charming because it's like oh i can relate to that i can relate to wanting to look different um and you know being willing to i mean all i think most people can relate you've you've done something that makes you uncomfortable 
in order to try to appear better to uh, impress someone. Impress somebody. Yes, exactly. Um, and I, that scene was just super charming and very, very fun. I just thought they were adorable. Um, yeah. I love the scene too, where um, he like ta- makes her take off her dress or something, and he takes off his pants and his jacket. And they're like, um, he's stuffing up all the crevices, the window, yep. everything to flood the bathroom. Yeah, it was an interesting escape plan that I, I did not know where he was going with what he was doing. No. Um, so that's uh, he's trapped. They're, they're trapped in his apartment. Um, the butcher and the rest of the, the tenants are trying to get him because it's time for some meat. And um, again, it's not in a as murderous a way as it sounds like it could be. Like, they're not foaming at the mouth ravenous, but they are... Uh, you know, this was the plan, and they're just trying to help. The butcher's kind of dictating what everybody's doing, and he's the butcher has personal reasons because he's not happy with Julie being uh, interested in him. And then there's that whole sub-story with the post officer, the postman, um, trying to oh. to get with Julie. Like, that whole thing was uncomfortable. Um, and um, it, it some of it's deus es machina type stuff. Like, the kids somehow managed to put glue in his gun. Um but I don't understand why the gun was in the bag because he had already shot a guy earlier. So, like, it seemed like a weird place to put the gun and to leave the bag, like, just laying around. But I, there's a lot going on in the sequence, so I might have missed something where it would have made sense. Um, so I'm not I'm not putting any negative thing on it. But it, it's a lot of little weird things happen uh, just in the nick of time so our heroes can uh, escape triumphantly. And uh, they do so. Um, the Australian, the uh, his weapon... That isn't a weapon. It's like a, a random tool. That it's basically a boomerang knife um, that he calls the Australian, which I guess is uh, supposed to be like a circus thing, um, and that's why it's acceptable that he has it. Louison has it, but it uh, comes into play. They throw it. Uh, the butcher throws it at Louison towards the end of the movie, and doesn't understand what it is. And so when it flies back and stabs him in the head, um, it's pretty pretty gruesome, and um, a little ironic, of course, because he's the butcher and he killed himself. Um, and now nobody can cut him up into into meat because no one else is a butcher. But um, I, I think that covers everything I really want to talk about. Um, is there anything that we left off that you want to mention? Nope. I think we covered it all. Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of stuff that we've left off because, again, we're not trying to go plot by plot. We want you to watch the movie. We're talking about a lot of the stuff that we enjoyed. Um, I, I didn't really find anything I, I disliked. Um, I was definitely... You mentioned the frogman with the, or the snail man. I yes. totally grossed out by that whole thing. He um, eats them. They're his friends, and he eats them. Hey, survival. He even says it when he eats them. I um, know. It's it's about survival. I was actually surprised. I'm like, wait, there's a whole like basement of frogs and snails. Like those are French cuisine, like you know, gourmet yeah. food, like frog legs and escargot. Like, why are people starving? This guy's got a whole apartment full. And there. Those two boys that, like, are always causing a ruckus around the apartment building do try to take some, and he they catches do. them. And and yells at them. Um, and I, I think that, again, represents the, sh- the selfishness that everybody else has. Um, we see that kind of throughout the film. Like, the, the one family that has the mother-in-law staying there, um, he is constantly hungry and, you know, always like, oh, come on. But then he's forced to give up the mother-in-law. Um as payment for his debt and he he clearly d- feels guilty but at the same time really really wants to eat you know so that selfishness is still a part of it um 
and the brother uh, tormenting Aurora uh, to, you know, that's selfish. A brother, boyfriend, whatever that guy's supposed to be. I don't know, again, what his role was. It's 1991, so I don't know um, if a gay character would have been a definitive thing at the time in a movie that was not trying to be, um, you know, brushing up against that subject. Um, but he's being very selfish. He doesn't care that his partner, his friend, whatever that guy is to him, um, is in love. He's going to wreck it and try to kill. I mean, he's trying to get Aurora to kill herself, um, and essentially succeeds, although on accident. Um, and Aurora's husband, there has to be something off there, right? Like he kind of seems condescending or cold to her. Um, and if she's willing to cheat on him, there's obviously something wrong, um, with one of them. So there's some selfishness there. And then uh, the one woman who sleeps with the butcher, she she appears to only sleep with him in order to get free food um, and maybe yeah. preferential treatment from the butcher. She doesn't seem like she's in love with him, so that's selfish. I mean, that's it's most of the characters are extremely selfish, and, except for Louisan and then Julie, who uh, you know kind of sacrifices everything she has because uh, she has a maid. She's the daughter of the guy in charge. Um, she sacrifices that in order to be with Louisan. So. All right. Uh, All that, but yeah. I think uh, we are ready to get our reviews in. Um, I think I'm going to go big. I think I'm going to say must see for Delicatessen. Um, ah, yes. Me too. <laughs> um, I, I really like this guy's style. Um, again, in Amelie and in, in Delicatessen, not in Alien Resurrection. Um, I, I think uh, there's there's something really interesting and quirky about his movies. Um, it's one I, I think I need to rewatch even, even though I, I just watched it. Um, I feel like there's a lot to be explored and uh, a lot of ways you can start to look at the movie and question what the intentions are behind certain things. And um, I do feel like I might have missed a little bit of story here and there. Um, Corey, what do you, you said must see as well? Yes. Well, there you have it, folks. If you skipped it and you just listened to our episode, we do both recommend that you go uh, to Netflix or buy it and check it out. Um Corey does own a copy of the DVD. I do not, but it's one I might add to my uh, digital collection at some point, um, especially if it's on sale. Now, for our next episode. So, Corey is picking the movie for the next episode, and it's going to be what? XX from this year. XX, so two X's, not three, so don't go looking for triple X. Uh, this is not a Vin Diesel movie or a dirty movie. Um, well, I can't promise it's not dirty. Well, it, yeah. It is a uh, horror anthology, uh, something that if you've listened to our other podcast, you know Corey is a big fan of. Um, also, um, also, I want to mention that each of the directors of the um, shorts in this film are women, um, which is not very, not a lot of women get, you know, And to those name jobs. those women, um, it's Roxanne Benjamin, Karen Kusama, St. Vincent which says as Annie Clark, so I guess Annie that's her Clark. real name, and Jovanka Vukovic. Vukovic. I, I, Vukovic. No, no idea how to say that. Um, I'm looking to see what else these ladies have directed. I'm not familiar with any of their other work. This uh, is St. Vincent's directorial debut, I'm pretty positive. Interesting. I'm um, a fan of her music. Her music, I am not familiar with. Ooh. Um, okay, I actually have seen... Uh, I think two of Karen Kasama's movies. Um, one that I really liked, which Corey oh. did not, was The Invitation. Um, I think you didn't like it. I might be wrong. Maybe you didn't hate it. Um, 
the invitation from uh, 2014, I think, 2015. Um, very cool movie that was on Netflix for a while. Not originating on there. Um, she directed an episode of Masters of Sex. Um, she did uh, Jennifer's Body, which I did see on like TBS or something a long time ago. I'm not a Megan Fox fan, so I didn't think it was very great. And she directed the uh, kind of hated uh, Charlize Theron Aeon Flux movie from 2005. Um, I don't know if that's her fault. That might have been the script. I have not seen that one, but I've heard nothing but bad things. And then Roxanne Benjamin. Looks like this might be one of her first directing. Yeah, this is her second directing. She directed a movie she... called Southbound in 2015. And um, I, what did she do on VHS? Producer. Producer. Okay, because I know that Mike is a big fan of that movie. Mm, which is another anthology, right? I believe so. I've never seen it. I have it on my list. Well, it's uh, according to IMDb, it is four deadly tales by four killer women. Um, so we'll have four movies directed by, well, four short horror films that are directed and written by women. So um, this is our first anthology on Movie Club. And one, oh. of, one of my first horror anthology viewings, I think. I don't think I've... Uh, oh, I hope it's good then. Yeah, well, I mean, uh, anthologies, I, I will not hold that as a factor. Um, my uh, um, expectation of anthologies are I will like maybe one or two and probably not the other two or however many there are. Um, that's the beauty of an anthology. You don't have to like them all to enjoy the uh, one or two because it's, it's I'm, they might be interconnected. Although the fact that there's four different directors implies that the main direct the main connection will be that it's directed by women. So, and I um, I, I wouldn't be surprised if the the killers or something are also going to be female. Um, also, Melanie Linsky is um, in one of them, one of the shorts. That sounds familiar. What is uh? Um, she is like the main character, and I don't feel at home in this world anymore. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah, I like her quite a bit. Um, she's also in one of my wife's favorite movies, uh, um, Sweet Home Alabama. <laughs> uh, and Heavenly Creatures, guys. I don't think I've seen that. We need to see that. I think that it might be on Netflix still. Ooh, let's. Oh, speaking of Double uh, X or XX, I'm not sure what we should be calling it. It is on Netflix. Um, so you feel free to uh. You know, use your subscription service to check that out. Um, if you are uh, trying, if you're like myself, um, I am constantly trying to uh, encourage my female students uh, to and just non-white males to be more active in the film community. Um, it is for a very, very long time, um, males, white males have dominated the film industry, um, partly circumstantial because it was that they dominated every industry for a long time, but um, there's still not a lot of female directors that are getting big work. So whenever there is an opportunity, like when Patty Jenkins recently had the success of Wonder Woman, um, we, we definitely want to celebrate that. And it should become hopefully a norm where we no longer have to point out the fact that it's a woman director and act shocked that it's good. Um, that would be ideal that everybody's just, Oh, it's a director period. Um, that we enjoy but it's we're not there yet so supporting this movie is a good thing um hopefully it's good too uh that definitely helps the argument that women should have more directing opportunities um but there you go folks uh, our next episode episode 28 we're going to be discussing um xx which is available to watch on netflix we would love for you to uh tell us what you think of that movie and we can read it on the podcast so you can either reach out to me on twitter at Burke Reviews or Corey? 
at Query R Star to ours on the end. You can also email us or leave a comment on our post for this episode of the podcast um, with your thoughts for XX, and we will maybe read it on the podcast next week. Um, until next time, guys, thank you very much for listening. Corey, I will uh, talk to you later. Bye. Peace. This has been a Burke Reviews podcast. BurkeReviews.com. <laughs>